Welcome to the Meant to Be Outdoors podcast, where our goal is to connect listeners to the great outdoors with hosts Brian Hoffmeyer and Ben Brandell. I'm host Ben Brandell, owner of Meant to Be Outdoors, instructor of outdoor skills, and passionate about personal growth. I'm host Brian Hoffmeyer, wildlife biologist and avid outdoorsman. Welcome back to the Meant to Be Outdoors podcast. I'm your host, Brian, with my co-host, Ben Brandell, and this is another Total Outdoorsman Tuesday episode. This week, we are actually talking about how to get a trophy fish mounted. It is spring. Most places, fish, all the fish species are either in pre-spawn or spawn, and that's when people are catching big ones. It's really the best odds to catch a trophy fish, no matter the species. And if you want to have a great memory of that, there's no better way than to get that thing mounted and have it at home on your wall where everybody who comes into your house gets to take a look at the fish you caught that day. Yeah, there are so many types of species that are actually moving their way up in the river. You know, we're looking at spoonbill that starts off first here for us. And then you get into the white bass start moving up. And then we get into like the pre-spawn of your largemouth and smallmouth and you have all these uh, different species, walleye, you know, and I'm telling you, this is the opportunity. This is the chance. Springtime when you can catch your PB, your personal best, and maybe even go get it mounted. Or maybe you got to go on a spring break trip recently and go out to the ocean and catch a big marlin or sailfish or something. Ooh. And that looks awesome. Yeah. In a man cave or above the mantle <laughs> or above the couch. I would love to have a big ocean fish. Say, look what I caught yeah. in my house. There are a couple different ways to record that memory. Of course, pictures are a great one. Videos, everybody's got their cameras with them these days. But that just isn't the same as having it in your home where people can see it, feel it, touch it, get up close to it, and really take in the size and the beauty of that fish that you caught. So really the two ways to to get a fish mounted are skin and reproductions or, or replicas. What are kind of the differences between those two, Ben? You know, skin mounts, you're actually taking the fish. So... The, the fish would have to die, would cease mm-hmm. to live in order to ever have a skin mount. You know, in re- reproductions, um, in your replicas that they're making, they're doing just that. They're making a replica of the fish that, that you caught, that you want to keep for a lifetime. Right. Yeah. With the skin mount, you've got to take it in. They're going to skin this fish and, and put it over a piece of styrofoam. And the the skin of the actual fish you caught is always going to be on there. But the replicas, they'll actually, you know, order a fish of the similar size that people have made a mold of the fish size and species that you caught and an artist a taxidermy artist is going to put together the best replica of the fish you caught based on the information you give him so with that being said the information that you provide to your taxidermist if you want a replica is vital it's so important if you want it to be really accurate you're you're spot on you have used the word taxidermist a few times and a taxidermist is going to be somebody that's actually doing this work for you when brian and i used to work for an aquarium and a museum you know a lot of the species inside this place were actually both replicas and skins and what i mean by that is most of the animals that you harvest like if it's a mammal and you've harvested it, it's going to be a skin mount. It's going to be the animal that you harvested. But majority of the fish that you see on the walls today are reproductions because catch and release is so awesome. It's so powerful. Mm-hmm. You can catch and, and capture everything you want to about that fish. And once you, you obtain everything you need from the colors, the pictures, your, your measurements, you can let the fish go. Hopefully that maybe you can catch it again, or if not, allow someone else to have that same opportunity. 
Well, the replicas really have gotten more popular. I can remember being a kid, you didn't hardly ever see them. And when you did, it was like, well, that's a replica because it looks terrible. But the advancements of technology, and I don't even really know how they do it. I know I'm not artistic enough to do it. There's no way I wouldn't even try. Thank goodness there are people that I can pay to do it for me. But they do a really, really good job. And we know so much more about the benefits of catch and release now that Mm -hmm. people are more encouraged. Catch and release was not that popular. I mean, even the professional bass circuits back in the day brought the fish up to the show board and they'd pin these fish up on the board. Today, Mm -hmm. everything is getting released. Heck, now they don't even put them in live well in some tournaments. They measure them and stick them back in the water within 10 seconds. So, so thankful for the scientists that have put in the work to bring forth these benefits of so that everybody knows these benefits of catch and release. So I personally would encourage everyone, if you want a mount, try to get a replica mount done. With that being said, you need to be ready. If that's the choice you're going to make, you need to be ready to collect the right information every time you go fishing, just in case you catch that trophy fish. So let's kind of start explaining to these folks how you would get that done the best way. Okay, so let's break down if this is a fish that you want a, a skin mount first. So I'm going to keep this fish. Just because you're keeping it doesn't mean that you can't still protect it and take care of it. You're going to have to because this fish... Well, yeah, if you jack up the skin, if you're getting a skin mount and you jack it up, then it's not going to look good. Even if you don't take care of it and the colors fade, because right. as a fish dies, the colors fade, then when you take it to the taxidermist, they're they're going to be like, well, what am I even supposed to make this thing look like? Because they're actually going to take that skin and tan it. And when it's done being tanned, it's the color is gone. It's, it's just gone. pale white fish scales. Right. All the color that is left in a skin mount is actually from airbrush paint, which is a big reason for me. Why not get a replica? They're going to airbrush paint it anyway. Why not have them do it on a replica and let that fish live? Right. And that's a great point. Today we have cell phones. Those cell phones, you're able to take a a quick pick. And that's really the number one thing that you need to do right off the bat for whether you're getting a replica or a skin mount. You want to take a picture of that fish as soon as possible, like the number one thing to do. So Mm -hmm. we talked about taking care of your fish as you're bringing it in. And then number two is, is then taking a picture of it. Each side, front and back, if it's got some scars or, um, you know, some some weird designs or something on it, get a closer picture. Yeah, anything it, unique, you need to record that. Anything unique, you must record it. From there, now you are going to have to protect this fish until you can get it to that taxidermist. So what are the steps? How are you going to take care of it? Well, for the skin mount, Ben, you really want to have some kind of cloth, whether it be a towel or a, a T-shirt or a sweatshirt that you took off from the morning coolness. And you need to get that thing soaking wet. You need to lay this fish as flat as possible in that so you're not folding fins or creasing it or causing wrinkles in it. Roll this thing up in that wet cloth that you have. And then the next step really is one of your favorite things to make sure that somebody has on them all the time is a trash bag. You carry a trash bag everywhere. Absolutely. For survival reasons, if you listen to any of our podcasts, you've probably heard our uh, our survival trash bag talk. And put that thing in the trash bag in the wet towel. And I guess you kind of got to fold that bag up. You yeah, can't just... you, you kind of want to get as much air out as you can. Yep. And then as you roll it up, you're trying to make it airtight, and then you are going to tape it. You're going to tape that down. You want to get that on in a cooler. You want to keep that fish cool. Um, once you get home, put it in the freezer, get a hold of your taxidermist, and follow their steps from there. You just got to get it to them at that point. Right. And once you get in the freezer, you're you're pretty good. I mean, you've got a month or two months, and that fish is going to be all right in the freezer, and they're still going to be able to make a, a quality skin mount for you. But 
if you leave it in there for a year or so, year or so it's going to be shot. It's going to be messed up. But the plastic bag is so important before it goes into the freezer because it protects it from freezer burn. Yeah, yeah. And so to repeat the steps, as soon as you catch that fish, if you're like, oh, yeah, I want this thing mounted, I'm going to do a skin mount, then you want to take care of it right then because that skin of that animal is what is going to be on mm-hmm. display. So you want to take super good care of it. So how do you, if you want to eat the fish, how do you get the meat out of it but leave the skin to where they can mount it? There is a way to do that. However, if this is your PB and you're not wanting <laughs> you're not wanting to get this thing destroyed, then um, what I would do is I would still wrap it. I'm going to call my taxidermist and I'm going to ask them the question of, hey, if I bring this to you, can you skin it for me to where I can still have it? That's up to them. I don't know who your taxidermist is. Let them decide because you do not want to ruin your mount. Yeah, and a lot of times they're so busy that they're not going to be able to get to it right away. So, unfortunately, the sad reality is that most of the time when you're getting a skin mount, you're not going to get the meat off of the fish. And I think I agree with you. I'm probably not going to do a skin mount. I'm probably going to do, do a reproduction. And so I'll be honest, I don't really see the point unless unless I've killed the fish like Right. Maybe I gut hooked it or in the, if the fish is going to die, no matter what I do, then I might get a skin mount. But with the way reproductions are today, I just don't see the point in actually going through with a skin mount. And before you talk about what do we need to do for a, a reproduction, um, you know, my family members have had taxidermy done and they have done skin mounts. I remember growing up, my grandpa's largemouth bass that he had on his wall, like seven pounder. He It was his trophy you know, it was hanging up there and a couple years ago i had seen it and it's pretty decayed and I, what rough, i mean by decayed yeah. is yeah the ends of the tails the the gill plates all that stuff has just really changed and some of that is, some of that is care depending on there are ways to care for your your mounts at home and most people don't care for them the way they should i'll be honest i, I don't care for mine the way that though i should because it's there's like monthly and six month and then annual things you're supposed to do all the time and I don't do them all. But well, especially because of where you live, because it gets super hot and it gets super cold. Mm-hmm. The temperature fluctuations is hard on them. Most people don't dust them. If they are dusting them, what are you are you getting chemicals on them? Right. There's a lot that goes into taking care of a skin mount. So that's kind of another reason why I think the replica is probably the option that I would take too. To your point though, there there is a shelf life on these skin right, mounts. Correct. There is a skin and, and that's a these replicas, they are so much more durable and they're gonna last so much longer. The paint eventually is going to fade and they're going to age as well, but their shelf life is much longer than a skin mount, which for me, another plus for the replicas. Um, the really the only downside, people are probably thinking, well what is the downside to it? You can tell it's a replica. You can. And and that's what I, I want to say that very loud because I, we've heard people before be like, you can't tell the difference. Look at these two. You can't. Yes, I can. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You can tell the difference. Absolutely. They're, they they do a great, great job, but you, it's God's creation versus man's creation. Yeah. I mean, yeah. the skin is God's creation and man can't recre- recreate it as, as great as God can. If I mean, just thinking about it, why can't we make it as good as that? But that would, to me, be the reason is that God created that fish the way it is, and we're not going to replicate it just the way God did because we're human. So you can tell the difference, even though these replicas are really, really good. You know, if you get the option, though, and if if this fish is, is so special to you that you want that fish, well, you're allowed to, and you mm-hmm. can. And so we're not saying that you shouldn't. We're just saying that if, if well... 
we're saying that we have options today. And now that we have options, if it doesn't matter to you, then then pick the one that's better for the animal and for you and in, in the decision. So, um, you know, another reason why a replica may be better is because if you're wanting to display it differently than just flat up against a wall, um, they can actually paint design and make both sides of this fish look real so that it can set out. Whereas mm -hmm. most of the time in a skinned mount, the back side of that fish is going to be on a piece of wood. It's got to be hidden because you're going to see the seam. Right. Sew it together. Yeah. Or yeah. where they put it together there. And so you can't just have like a fish on its belly out on the table and looking over it. You couldn't do that with a, a skin mount. So, you know, talked a little about the advancements of these replicas. The The biggest advancement is is that they now have, for these taxidermists to purchase, pretty much every species of fish and every size of those species of fish molds to buy. So if you bring in, let's say, a 20-inch largemouth bass and you have recorded the, the girth in inches and you give them all these measurements, they can actually go, your taxidermist can go to these supply companies, give those measurements, and they have a mold for that. So the, the replica size that you're getting is going to match almost exactly the measurements that you give your taxidermists and, and they're out there for almost every species. So it is going to very, very, very closely resemble the size of the fish you caught. So your story is still gonna be really accurate. Yeah, and and you kind of shared what you need to do for reproduction, and, and that's it. I'm going to go into detail on that. You know, the first thing you want to do is take that picture so they can match it as close as possible. So are you just taking one picture or a bunch of pictures, or what? I'm How's taking, it going? Well, this is, my, this is my personal best. I'm taking a lot of pictures. I'm yeah. taking on the bottom, the top, both sides. I'm taking close to the tails, especially like we talked earlier, if there is a, an area on that fish that's unique. I was thinking about when I went out to catch redfish sometimes that little black dot on that tail sometimes they'd have like a couple or it would be off and so you may have that fish that's got that real unique cool design i'm going to get in and get close i'm going to take some closer photos of that um anywhere on that fish that is going to be seen i want that taxidermist to be able to see it so i'm going to take multiple multiple pictures man i think about it would be so cool if if your first trophy bass or your new PB that you caught was one of those tattooed up looking largemouth bass have all the they're really melanistic they have all these black spots all over them but they look so cool and if you caught one like that and you were taking that in you would want that recorded as accurate as possible so I would even go down as far as to take a picture of the whole fish and like Ben said from the top from the bottom from each side make sure your lighting is good make sure fingers aren't you know covered what? up even in the mouth yeah. I didn't even think of that. Because their mouth's going to be open. It is going to be open. There's um, some fish that Brian and I have caught where it looks like they're wearing lipstick, where yeah. it's just super red on the lips. So depending on that catch, you know, I want to, I really want it to look exactly like the catch. So I'm going to do my due diligence to taking those pictures. From there, though, um, you got to get the specs. You need to get the specifications so you can get it to your taxidermist. And what you're going to be measuring for is the length. So from what they call out to out. So the longest part of the tip of the tail to the really the longest part of the mouth. Mm -hmm. um, with the mouth wide open, you can measure right there at the tip of the, the lips, basically. The longest to the longest side. Then you're going to check for girth, or not check for girth. You're going to measure the girth. And then you're going to use a digital scale to really weigh and, and see how big it is. Right. So you've got to have this stuff on you when you go fishing. Because if, if you catch the fish and you don't have all this, you're out of luck. So make sure you have your digital scale, make sure there's batteries in it, make sure you have a measuring device that's longer. If, if, you're, if your trophy is 
24 inches. If in your mind you're like, man, if I get one that's 24 inches, that's going on my wall. <laughs> well, make sure you got something that's longer than 24 inches to measure with. Um, and then for measuring girth, you really want to measure at the widest spot and it differs by species or even um, in particular individuals within a species. But usually in many species, it's right behind the pectoral fin. So the little fins kind of on the side, right behind the gills, right behind those all the way around the fish is going to be usually your, your largest girth of that fish. I even would add like measure beginning, middle and end. Right, so maybe get some different measurements from the beginning all the way to the tail. Um, again, if you want it to look just like yours, mm-hmm. take those measurements, um, send them in. You know, I was as you were talking about all that, it reminded me of when I used to give tours in the aquarium and, and in the museum. And I think people had a we just were confused about what taxidermy is. And you know, we there would be elk, we had elk, we had um polar bear. I mean, there were all kinds of animals that were taxidermied. And a lot of the people thought that the guts and everything was still inside this animal. And that really opened my eyes to that most people don't know what taxidermy is. And and so when we're talking about the skin mount, that's literally all they're taking from the animal is, is the skin. You're not going to use any of the organs or bones or even the eyeballs. The eyeballs aren't even used. They're going to put marbles or something different like that in. And so on any of your skin mounts, especially in your mammals, that's all it is. It's just the, the outer early area. And yeah. so when we get to this reproduction side, there is nothing on a reproduction that came off of that fish. And so nothing. if you're one of those people where you walk into a room and you see all these, these taxidermied fish or mounted fish and you say to yourself, that's disgusting, I do want you to, to hold your tongue for a moment because today majority of people that are taxidermy fish – are going to be doing the reproduction and, and they're following these steps. They're getting all the information they can from their catch and they're going to get it to that taxidermist and, and they're going to recreate that beautiful, amazing catch that that fisherman or fisherwoman caught. Yeah. Another misconception I've heard so many times about that is that a lot of people conceive that when you're walking into a room of taxidermy, that this, the hunters went to kill these animals just so they could have this taxidermy done. Mm. And that isn't true. It's that's a secondary thing. Most of the time, people are going one to get the meat for the family, and then and then two for sport. When I say sport for enjoyment, hunters are not going out and just shooting animals and just taking the skin so they can have them mounted. Ben said they don't take anything but the skin, and what he's meaning is just for that taxidermy. They are taking all the meat and harvesting this animal and, and feeding their families and other families. So many hunters donate meat to impoverished people so that they can eat as well. So taxidermy is like a secondary or, or even tertiary thing uh, from the harvest of this animal. It isn't the main purpose. It never is the main purpose. I've never met a hunter that is going, I'm just going to go out to kill this so I can have some taxidermy. Uh, but I have heard that uttered by non-hunters many times, and I, it's, a, it's a misconception that breaks my heart. So, Ben, let me ask you this. You ever had anything mounted? Well, I know you've had some deer and stuff, but what about in the, in the fish world? You ever had a fish mounted? You know, I've really wanted to, and so you're saying no? I don't have any, but I messed up. I did mess up. I messed up. I wanted to get one mounted. I remember when I just turned 16, um, I started where I could go drive and go fish wherever I wanted to. Um, I went into, I drove to an area on the river, put in my little six foot flat bottom went up and I caught one of the biggest fish, my personal best at the time. And 
I thought I'm going to get this thing mounted. But I was 16. I could barely afford gas. And so... <laughs> you had a six-foot boat. <laughs> I did. I mean, it's true. But... You couldn't even lay down in it. You know, at that time, this was like a four-pound bass. It, it was huge for me, but right. it, it yeah. isn't one that today I would ever think about getting taxidermied. And so I took it home. Um, I wrapped it in a in a trash bag. I didn't put it in a towel. I didn't know at the time. That, that that isn't something I should do. The reason that you don't want to... Well, it is something you should do. Yeah, you want to wrap it in the towel before you put it in the trash bag. Yeah. You don't want to just wrap it in a trash bag like I did yeah. because you do get freezer burn and that yeah. impacts your, your skin mount. And so you want to follow the steps like we were t- uh, telling you about. But here's what happened. I put it in my mom's freezer. Remember, I was around 16. I think it was around the age of 24, my mom's freezer finally went out. <laughs> and she was digging through that thing. And I got a call. And she had found it. It had been in that freezer for... Eight years. Yeah, for so long. Yeah, it wasn't good anymore. It wasn't good anymore. <laughs> and again, I didn't even wrap it in a, in a wet towel. It was literally yeah. just in that bag. And, and I ruined it. And that was my fault. It was... Uh, it was first ignorance and then, it, I guess, really stupidity that I, I should have known what I was doing beforehand. But at the end of the day, I couldn't afford to go send it off at that day. And I thought, I'll keep it until I do. And, and again, one of those that you completely I completely forgot about. Um, but to this day, I, I have, I've caught bigger fish. Um, but I haven't. I haven't sent off to, to have any of them done. How about you? Do you have a taxidermy fish? You know, I don't. Uh, there's I have caught trophy-level fish that probably would have made great mounts and for a couple of different reasons they're they're not mounts first of all you gotta be careful who your friends are you gotta choose your friends carefully (laughs) okay i was out fishing with some buddies yet uh i almost said the other day it was several years ago uh i think we were in college and we were all out kayak fishing on the lake and i remember it so vividly there's a big huge like oak tree top out on this deep point and it was fully submerged in water. It was like six foot of water over the top of it. The water was real clear. You could see this huge treetop. And I had casted my jig over the top of it. And I let it fall down and I worked it up to the opposite side of it. And as I got to it, I swam my jig up over the top of this tree. And as I got to my side of the tree, I started to let this jig fall back down. And I could see this brown figure coming up from the depths and i just stopped reeling i stopped moving my jig at all and i mean it about ripped my rod out of my hands and i set the hook and i turned to my friends and i said huge smallmouth, huge small i thought i had like four or five pound smallmouth. this thing is pulling and tugging my kayak is being drugged my kayak is moving by this fish and i'm like guys this is huge this is huge and so they're starting to paddle over because they want to see what's going on I finally fight, and I'm getting this fish up, and it is not a smallmouth. It's a walleye. I've only ever caught one keeper walleye in my life at this point in time, and this was at Table Rock Lake, not known to be a great walleye fishery. And I'm bringing this thing up, and it is so massive. It is so big. It's pulling my boat, and I don't have a net. I can see the teeth, and it's on a jig. I have like 12-pound fluorocarbon on, and I'm like, how am I going to get this thing? How am I going to land this toothy fish? Walleye's teeth are like razor blades. Mm-hmm. How am I going to sharp. get this thing in my kayak? Do I even want to get it in my kayak? <laughs> so I'm scrambling for a stringer. My buddy, I'm going to name him. I'm going to name him right here. My buddy Garrett, he comes up right beside me and he does. He scoops this fish. He, he gills it because you can't put your hand in their mouth. He puts his hand under his gills and he raises this fish up. And everybody is just going, oh my gosh. Everybody is in awe. I'm scrambling to get a stringer 
out from behind me. My gear pack is behind me. I'm trying to get a stringer out. He is holding this fish with his arm fully stretched above his head, and the tail is still touching the water. Massive. That's and huge. we're all going, it's got to be eight pounds. That thing is so huge. We're trying to get scales. We're trying to get all our stuff. And then all of a sudden I hear, and I turned like, oh man, he, the fish is fighting. And Garrett's not holding the fish anymore. Mm. The fish is gone. Mm. Never got to measure it. Never got to weigh it. Never got to put it on a stringer. Never got to eat it. Never got to mount it. It's just a really good story that you got to choose the right friends. Well, I'm going to have to stick up for Garrett because <laughs> let me say, buddy old pal, like he's helping you out. What if Garrett wasn't there to even help you? Yeah, he that, that toothy critter probably would have eventually cut my line. Probably and I would have. To see him. That's right. That's right. So you better thank Garrett for getting to see this creature. I didn't even get a picture, Ben. Where, why didn't you have a net? Why didn't you just grab a hold of it by its eyeballs if you wanted to? Come on, <laughs> get that thing in, in your... That was before I learned that trick. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, that, hey, that is a tip. If, if you catch a fish that you want to keep and eat and... You're not really worried about catch and release. Instead of grabbing it in a way that um, is going to not harm the fish, you can literally take your thumb and finger, and you can grab the fish and the eyeball sockets, mm-hmm. especially toothy, your toothied fish, yeah. very sharp toothed fish. Oh, toothy critters. Toothy critters. Um, and you can grab it that way to, to get it in your live well if you need to quickly. So that's just a quick tip. But I'm sorry that you lost... Probably your biggest walleye. You, yeah, I definitely my biggest, and and I'm sorry too. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I'm sorry too. But it does make for a good story. It does. And and today, Garrett and I and, all, and the rest of my friends that were there, you we, still don't talk. We, <laughs> we talk and we laugh and oh, we okay. joke about it. When I see memes about your friends losing fish, or I saw a meme the other day, and it was uh, when your buddy who's mad at you nets your fish, and this guy goes to net his buddy's fish and <laughs> knocks it off the hook, and this fish goes flying like 20 feet in the air. And I sent it to Garrett, and I was like, "This is definitely what you." would do to me so (laughs) we we like to poke and have fun with it but that's a great thing about spending time outdoors with people is that you get to have these stories and these memories for life but there are some other fish that i've caught that are are trophy level um, and it brings up a whole other point that i do want to share these fish were rainbow trout and they're like eight pounds and i actually caught i've caught multiple of them Mm -hmm. and to most people they are trophies but to me i actually stocked these fish in the stream and i was actually catching them to move them and relocate them so cool to catch them so fun but wasn't really a trophy to me right and so that's what i want to say is the trophy really is in the eye of the beholder if you love to fish if you catch a fish and it's just beautiful and you want to remember it then then get it made get get the replica mount made get the the mount up on your wall don't worry about what other people are going to think and say because the trophy is for you. If it's a huge fish and your buddies are going, get this mounted, get this mounted, but you're like, you know what? I don't really care. Then don't get it mounted. Let that fish go. Don't even put it through the stress of taking all the measurements because it is up to you. You decide the trophy, not somebody else. You do. Ben, I've never had anything mounted. You've never had anything mounted. You know what that is, right? That's an excuse to we gotta go fishing. Some yeah, more. <laughs> we gotta go spend some more time on the water because right. there are some. There, I would like to have a couple of mounted fish someday. So let's end with this question: What would it take? What species and what size would it take for you to be like, you know what? I'm getting this thing mounted. And would you do skin or would you do replica? You know, Toledo Bend. I have fished there in the past, and there are some monsters in Toledo Bend, and and I even got to see some of them. Um, what are you talking? 
Largemouth. Largemouth bass. Yeah, there was guys catching nine and ten pound, and and that was what I wanted to catch. I wanted to catch double digits. And for me, it's it's going to take a double digit before I ever think about getting them out. Oh come on, nine and a quarter. You catch a nine and a quarter in Table Rock, you're going to be a legend. Well, yeah, you you're changed. You changed the location, so. If I was to ever, if I ever catch a nine-plus pound out of Table Rock Lake, I will definitely get a, a replica of that for sure. Eight. No, I don't think I will. No, no, I just, just don't. Just I, pictures. Yeah, I, yeah, I just don't think I would. But when I get into those double digits, man, that's that's where I want to catch a double-digit bass one day. Again, we've worked at Aquarium where there were double digits in an exhibit, and you could go down there and look at them and stare at them, and I was just really kind of goo goo gaga like yeah put you in awe yeah do you think i could ever catch one like that one day and that's what i i want to catch a double digit i think that for me because i set that expectation that standard kind of so high anything below it i just don't think i will man i don't right you know now if you want to get into some saltwater fishing well that changes things i'd even do a small marlin because i've never mm-hmm. caught one before <laughs> but yeah how about you you know my favorite fish species is smallmouth bass. I mm. just think they're so stinking beautiful. And I have caught some fours, but I've never caught anything over that five pound mark for a smallmouth bass. So I think I'm going to say if, if it were that five and a half to, to six pound range of a smallmouth, I really think that I'm going to document that thing really well and, and, and take it and get a replica mount made because they are so beautiful. And to catch a smallmouth bass in that size range is going to be so rare. I love how long that it takes them to grow. I mean, you're, you're talking about like 15, 16 years for a smallmouth bass to get to that five to six pound range. And I just really, really think that would be a trophy to me. And I would want to remember that and and tell that story. You know, thinking about this, I, I, what I would like to do then is, is if I've got a buddy with me, which I usually fish with somebody else, I would want them to take a picture of me holding that fish before I let it go. Mm -hmm. Like that'd be all the pictures I'm taking, one of them needs to be me holding it because I'd like to add that like framed above or below my my mouth. I think that'd be pretty neat. Absolutely. Well, mm-hmm. I hope everybody is inspired to go out and do some spring fishing. We're going to actually be out next week. We're taking some school groups out fishing. We're going to be teaching a whole bunch of kids how to fish. So maybe you want to pray for us a little bit there. Yeah. Uh, we're going to be tying a lot of knots and un-getting a lot, uh, undoing a lot of snags, but I'm sure we'll catch a lot of fish and make a lot of memories with these kiddos. We're so excited about it. We hope that you are making plans to go out and do some spring fishing. We're going to be back on Thursday with a brand new podcast episode. We do hope that you'll follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. Hit the automatic download and subscribe button on whatever platform you listen. Please leave us a review. We need more reviews. To be candid, we need to move up these charts so that more people can find our podcast. We're really wanting to grow. We're so thankful that you listened today. We hope that you will share with your friends. We'll be back on Thursday, and we hope that between now and that time, you find time to get outdoors. Thank you for listening to the Meant to Be Outdoors podcast, hosted by Brian Hoffmeyer and Ben Brandell. Please help us by subscribing. Also, follow along on TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook.